It's Thursday, June 20th, 2019, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 261, a surprising amount of talk about toilet paper. Runtime for this episode is one hour and one minute. And welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast where 200 episodes ago, something really bad happened. Really bad. My name is Jeremy. I'm going to fill your dark soul with light. I'm Tyler. Is that when we started this? No, it's been more than that. Yeah, we're on like, what? what is this, like two? We're past the Celebi number, which is 251. 251. Yeah. Uh, we're in the 260s. Who are you? My name is Zach. And if you don't know that by now, hi, welcome to the podcast. It's nice to have you guys. How are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> what was podcast? What was two hundred ago? Um, oh, I can use science to figure that out. But by, and by science, I mean our website www.lastpodcast.com, where you can also check out our other podcast. It's a Gundam, where we're in smack dab in the best part of Gundam Seed right now, as well as uh, the podcast nobody listens to, Jumpstart Weekly, where me and Kevin talk about Shonen Jump, and it's super good right now. Read the last Sayuki; it's very, very good, and we're both terrified it's going to get canceled. <laughs> I listen to it. <laughs> yeah, you're our listener. <laughs> I, I listen to like one out of every five episodes about... I'm kind of using them to keep track of where Food Wars is going. Okay, okay. I can see that. I, I think that's actually a very common use for like weekly review of Thing podcasts. Um, like that one where people did West Wing and Wings. Are, are yeah. you familiar with that one? I am. It, it's where people watched West Wing and then ate Wings. And they had one of the actors from White Swing on it. Never heard of it. This is episode 261, and I have to scroll way back to get to episode 60 on the touchpad, so it's going to be a while. So, in the meantime, we played Devil May Cry 2 this week, which is why I made a sweet decline of video games joke. Anybody remember Toasty Frog? No, just me and Tyler. I know Tyler remembers. Wait, isn't it Legendary Frog? It, uh, it is Legendary Frog. You're right. Aha! See, I was I actually... Don't. Randomly... So I think about Decline of Video Gaming about once a year at this point in my life. It's probably about once... A, well, it's more than that because uh, the What was that just now? Is it <laughs> like... That's part of me and my brother's like lexicon. That in the episode of Friends where Rachel's like, and that's where everybody's gonna be! Are like just things he and I, not talking to about it, just individually both think about all the time in our day-to-day life as phrases to use, so... No, that's fair. That's anyway. Fair. My one allocation of thinking about decline of video gaming actually happened this week, and I can't even remember which one it was. It might have been the stupid Samus trips and loses all of her power-ups joke. No, my power-ups. Um, also, I think I think about it a lot, but mostly because I do this podcast. <laughs> and I had an urge to, like, say that, and then I, I forget what specific thing it was. Oh, no, it was the my boobs are bigger now joke. <laughs> the uh, Tomb Raider one. Yeah, the Tomb Raider joke. Um, that was fantastic, was because we were talking about shoehorning RPG elements into things. Just randomly, in a group of non-gamers, talking about adding RPG elements into things. It's very common. Uh, and I had an urge to make that joke. And I'm like, probably people would just look at me weird if I said that one. Most they would likely. not get that. <laughs> Deep cut reference. By the way, episode 61 of this podcast was Cybernator. Remember that game? I do, actually. 200 episodes ago, we played Cybernator. It doesn't feel like that long ago. It doesn't, right? But the episode before that was Ninja Gaiden, which feels that like uh, feel yeah, a million forever. years ago. <laughs> it does feel a long time. It was, it's weird. That there are some games that feel actually fairly recent to me. Yeah. That are actually, like, really, really old. And I think it's actually just because I come up for comparison a lot. Like, Cybernator is always, like, it's a weird game kind of in the middle of the list. And it's not a, well, I guess it's in the middle of the list. Actually, in the bottom, like, third, probably. It wasn't a good game. Uh, so I think it just comes up for comparison a lot. So what have you been playing, Zach? After all that meta rambling, uh, talking about the podcast on the podcast, it's the... the 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 last time on video games. <laughs> yes, thank you. I was I was trying to th- th- think how to make that joke work. It but doesn't work. It I doesn't. didn't make it work. I just did it. I just committed to the bit. The the last time on video game zone zone. I've been playing a weird variety. I'm still playing a lot of uh, Super Dragon Ball Heroes. Slowed down a lot on that because like I mean it's fine, but let's be honest, it's a pretty bad game. It's fine, but also it's bad. Well, it's a bad game, but I was enjoying it, and I still kind of am, but... So, I've been slowing down on that. I've actually been playing a lot of Darkest Dungeon. Had you started that last time we recorded yet? I don't think so. I don't think I had. Okay. 
I don't remember. I seem to recall you talking about it on the way up to record, but it might have been the next day when we talked. So it's a fun game. Like it's kind of weird, but for the audience who might not be familiar with Darkest Dungeon, it's a dungeon crawler that, like, I guess it was kickstarted way back when, but it's just it's a dungeon crawler. Rogue like is not quite the right term, I don't think, but like it's an Iron Man game, so there's no going back if you make a mistake. That's it. Yeah, I'll say uh, after we sat around and played board games at your house last week, Jeremy, Zach and I had a discussion about roguelikes in their current iteration versus more roguelike games like Rogue. Yeah, classical games like, like Rogue. <laughs> so, like, just net hack as far as I can tell. <laughs> or, or more like games that don't have some sense of progression over, yeah. like, if you die, you start over with, like, no, ch- like, yes. you just start over. Zach learned that Rogue was an actual game at one point during this conversation. So. I didn't know that was an actual thing. <laughs> and subsequently, Ancient Domains Mystery, I'm plugging that now 25-year-old game because it's really fun and it runs on every computer ever. But So I've been playing a lot of that. Uh, then I, I think me and Jeremy were having a conversation about games like we usually do on it, Saturday. And, and Zach I, said a phrase to me he has said, I think, once a week since the last time we played it, which is, you know what? I'm done with Monster Hunter. I don't want to play it anymore. I'm kind of... <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of done with Monster Hunter. So I've been playing Monster Hunter because we got out, we were actually like, talking about literally it. Literally the next day. Yeah, I thought it was weird too. So I've been playing a lot of that. I'm the highest lo- I'm the highest hunter rank of our group now. I passed Kevin. Okay, I was going to say I knew Kevin was ahead for a while. Again, but... me, me and Kevin were trading that off for a while. One day I'll beat it. I'm on the penultimate boss right now, um, as I... I have been for over a year now, I think. <laughs> I killed a tempered Kieran, which is how like I passed Kevin because he's on that quest, I and mean, that was a pain in the ass because it's a it it has an, a couple of attacks at one shot. Okay, oof, that's a little painful in that game. That was fun. I spent a bunch of time trying to do it, and then I finally got the thunder resist gems and all the best armor that I could get to fight it, or that I had to fight it, and uh, then I did it and didn't get hit by any of those attacks. I just got out of the way. And, like, I have a weird set of weapons that I tend to use. I tend to use the weapons based on what I'm fighting, not really, like, the weapons, like, the elements to them, but the weapon types. Yeah, no, that makes sense, actually. I think a lot of monsters are better fought with particular types of weapons. Like, I feel like the lance is really useful for certain things. Well, like, against the Diablos, anything that's got a shield is pretty good against it. Um, So, like, my charge blade, the lance... No one uses sword and shield. Sword and shield. Kevin's been using it a lot, actually. I just why would you do that when you ha- when charge blade is an option? Well, because the sword and shield, you can use your slinger. You can also use the slinger. You can use the slinger with sword and shield while it's out, or while your weapons are equipped. You, with all the other ones, you have to put them away. Okay, I see. Yeah, no, that that's actually mildly useful. Same with items. You can use any item while you have your sword and shield out. Okay, that actually is no. Yeah. No, you can use them. Okay, I thought you were shaking your no. head. Um, okay, that's actually a substantial benefit to Sword and Shield, I think. Yeah, Sword and Shield's like main strength is that you can use all of your items while you, you have your weapons out. It's also probably the second best weapon at mounting after Insect Glaive. Where, like, I use the Insect Glaive whenever I happen to be um, flying against flying monsters. Because grounding those assholes is so useful. Well, because it's easy. They go up flying and I just go after them. Although the Nergigante is weird because I use the Insect Glaive against him, too. But that's just because I'm used to fighting him like that. Kieran and I specifically have a bow to fight the Kieran. Actually, when I picked up Monster Hunter again, I had to uh, look up how to use the charge blade because of the fact that uh, I didn't remember how to charge the shield. I remember and- that also because I was playing with you guys um, on Monday and I pretty much only have one good weapon right now and that is a charge blade. And I realized I could not remember for the life of me how to use that thing. Yeah, I, I could remember how to use everything else. That I well that I use because the charge blade is the most technical weapon that I particularly use. So it's like I don't remember how to do this, so I had to look up how to actually make use of one of the charge blade's primary mechanics, which is charging. Which your is blade. charging the well specifically charging the shield because I could remember how to charge the sword, but in order to charge the sword, you have to charge the shield first. I'm very confused. Isn't it just you fill up the? No, no, that's just sword. so you can charge it. That's the baseline. Then you what? put those files into your shield to what? make it more powerful. And then you put them into your sword to make it more powerful. What? And then you turn it to, into axe form 
And you know that giant overhead swing? It gets a Kamehameha shockwave to go with it. Is this on later iterations? No, that's weapon? on every charge blade you have. I Okay, so I only ever took it to like charging the files the first time. I didn't know you could do more with it. No, see, that's why I had to look it up. It's because just charging the files is easy. But to charge the actual shield, you need... It's, uh, I want to say it's three taps of the... If you're using a f- uh, controller of the Y and B buttons. And then on the third attack where it goes to that big overhand, if you hit right trigger, you'll cancel out of that attack. And that charges the shield. What is this? Ma- okay, well, now I'm really excited to try to do this. So. And then if you, to charge the sword, you need to hit the right trigger and B to normally charge the files. But while you're doing that, you hold Y and the sword will click into the shield after a bit. And then once it does that, you let go of it and it will swing the sword and it, the sword will be charged. That way, every time you attack with the sword, it will actually inflict the the, uh, the file effects bonus damage and it won't bounce so long as it's uh, charged. I had no idea that this was even a mechanic. I feel like I've been missing out on so much of this weapon. You probably, if you didn't know this was a thing, then you have, because that's a big thing for the charge blade. It is the most, I think it is the most technical weapon in Monster Hunter, at least in this iteration of it. But yeah, I was like, I know you can do this, but I can't remember how to do it because it's a big deal. I need to know how to do this, especially if I'm going to go hunt Elder Dragons with it. I killed a bunch of Alhazaks. Once I figured out how to do that so that I I have a good chunk of his armor now. The nice thing about hunting elder dragons. The, ni- <laughs> the nice thing about hunting elder dragons. I did the Witcher quest, which was kind of cool. I did it much easier than Kevin. It took Kevin like I, yeah, four or five tries. He was having a lot of time with it. He was having a lot of trouble with that quest for some reason. I thought it was kind of fun. They make your character out to be a, like this, just this casual badass. Like Which the, is accurate at that point in the game. Yeah, it, so. it is accurate at that point in the game. There's a casual mention about why, like, what is your character doing while you're playing as Geralt and going and hunting this Witcher monster? Your character is just off making sure nothing else, none of the big monsters are in the ancient forest getting in the way. <laughs> you're just fighting the Anjanath and two Rathalos. Yep. The Anjanath, two Rathalos, the Puke Puke, and I guess the uh, the Great Jagras is there. I think Gerald could take a Great Jagras. I think you could take a Puke Puke probably too. But all of them at once. Probably not. Unless you break a lot of potions. And me and Kevin actually, uh, we went and did the Behemoth quest to try and do that. Yeah, I really want to do that one. The Final Fantasy crossover yeah. one? There's uh, like the first quest for it. One of the pot raptors, rock raptors, whatever you want to <laughs> the call them. pot raptors. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just hilarious to hear it called a pot raptor. I've always called it a pot raptor. Zach um, has dumb names for everything. <laughs> not everything, but for a while I was specifically making up dumb names for things just to make Kevin mad at me because it annoyed him that I wasn't calling anything by its actual name. But it gets like you fight a giant one of those things. Because, like, as the fight progresses, it gets bigger and bigger. So by the time you actually kill it, it's the size of, like, an Anjanath or bigger. That's hilarious. What's the explanation for that? It has a crystal thing that came from the Final Fantasy world that is making it bigger. Okay. And it's just carrying it around because that's what those do. And you can't make it drop it, so you can't, like, get on the back of it or anything like that, which is one of the reasons why it's such an annoying fight. And then Behemoth, like, actually casts spells and stuff. Oh, man, that's awesome. What spells does Behemoth use? Meteor. It uses Meteor? It uses, at least not, it uses Meteor, Charybdis, Comet. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, can we go back a step? Charybdis? It's like a wind spell. I I don't know what this is. That's uh, what it calls it in that in Monster Hunter. It's probably something for Final Fantasy XIV specifically. They've got a lot of classes, so they need a lot of spells. <laughs> probably. I've never played Final Fantasy XIV. You know, like I said, I've fought a lot. I've been after a lot of the Elder Dragons in that one. Anything else, Zach? Played a little bit of your Batman board game. That's true. We all did. And I won because I was the bad guys. That is true. And it seems I we played two that seemed I'm not sure if all of them are this way, but those two are like really tight on time limit, I feel. I think all of them are pretty tight. There might be one or two in there that's generous, but I, if so, they are the exception rather than the rule. And some of them seem like at least the ones that we've played. One bad roll on the hero's side can screw you sideways. Although both the ones we played were things where the villains don't really have to do anything to like succeed. Like the Bane one, you have to actually activate the bomb, so there's a chance the villain rolls bad, and that gives you a lot of extra leeway. And like the one, that, the time they beat me as Deathstroke, it was because I could not hack computers to save my life, and that really <laughs> tightened my options. Especially because it didn't let Deathstroke go do anything. Uh, like the actual named villains in that are kind of lame. Like I feel like every time you guys have been like, we're going to take that guy out, he dies immediately. 
Scarecrow's pretty good. He seems like the exception to the rule, though. Like, Oracle shot Bane with a taser once, and Bane was like, no. Yeah, that is that true. Is you, true. <laughs> you did destroy Bane. With Oracle. After his henchman wasted an entire turn trying to summon the <laughs> elevator for him. <laughs> Anything else, Zach? I just really like the idea of Oracle waiting at the top of an elevator yeah, for Bane. Exactly. It, just <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, actually. And he opens the door, and she's just like, hi there, and tases him. I can't think of anything else. Uh, what have I, you been playing, Tyler? What have I been playing? That's a very good question. I mean, obviously, some Monster Hunter. Me too. I beat the extra boss that they added to Slay the Spire with the defect, which was pretty cool. I've been doing occasional, like, whatever the daily runs are of those because they're really weird. I got one where you don't get cards from normal enemies, but you get artifacts every time you beat them instead. Huh. So basically you're stuck with your starting deck, but you have a ton of artifacts. Yeah, that could be interesting. Um, that was I assume you good. get cards from shops still, so you could, yeah, and also you could from still elites. make, like, a shuriken win deck. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've also been playing with some of the random mod characters there's one that's hilarious it's just a bard and he's like an incredibly crudely drawn bard wearing the merchant's mask <laughs> um, <laughs> which is hilarious there's also one that's a uh, terror branford from final fantasy 6 that sounds good it's disappointingly bad okay. every other character mod i've played is actually pretty dang good and that one was very highly rated but it's not very good uh, the, none of the mechanics work well my favorite actually thus far was actually the first one i downloaded which is the astrologer and her whole thing is like manipulating day-night cycles and playing with star signs to have various effects. So she like processes the, I don't even know what you call it, the, the solar system, I guess, the astrological symbol, and has various effects based on that. It's a lot of fun. Mostly I've been playing a bunch of time wasters. Uh, I guess I've also been playing Breath of the Wild. Yeah, again. you mentioned. Yeah. So slash watching your wife play it. Yeah, slash watching my wife play it. Um. It's honestly way more fun for me to watch her play it than for me to play through it again. Like, I'm kind of burning out on it again, which is a little sad because I haven't gotten through a lot of the DLC yet. Yeah, I definitely want to play and get that motorbike at some point. But I've been wanting to do that for over a year now, so who yeah. knows when. That, that's about how long it took me to decide that, hey, maybe it's time to play Breath of the Wild again. I did play one additional level of Super Robot Wars. So, so you're making it I'm there. I'm getting there. You um, got Domone? <laughs> I have not gotten Domone. I think he is. The, <laughs> I think he is the next level. You get him so early in that game. I know, game. I know. I'm only on like level six or seven. So because I was out of the house on Tuesday and Alex was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, so I'm going to play Breath of the Wild. But she was going to go fight her uh, first boss. She actually <laughs> set a mirror up in front of the TV and recorded herself <laughs> uh, playing through the dungeon. I feel like there are webcams for that. Probably. Well, the problem is she wanted both herself and the gameplay and the gameplay at the same yeah, time you, you and need like a capture card for that yes so. and we don't have hardware for that which is hilarious i might actually put together a super clip of some of that because there's like an hour of video and i think that would be hilarious so that's a thing that technically i've been playing what i've actually been playing that's new and maybe interesting kind of are some time waster games on my phone i downloaded something i can't remember what it was it's like night in the woods or something it's a roguelike deck builder similar to slay the spire which is why it got recommended to me see i keep trying to ignore you because i will play these games and i do not have the time uh, it's not very good. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, it's about like Little Red Riding Hood in various incarnations that choose her character class. Each character class other than the default costs a dollar and I didn't enjoy it enough to actually buy any of them. I did, however, beat all the difficulty levels of the one that it gave me, which is like 12 or 13 runs through the game. So my biggest problem is that most of it is too easy and there's like really only one viable strategy per character as far as I can tell. Yeah, that's a little disappointing. It was solidly okay. It's got actually a lot of really solid voice acting, but it's on my phone, so I never want my sound on. Yeah, that's the problem I'm having with Kingdom Hearts Cross Union, which I downloaded mostly to get all the daily bonuses for when I get to that Kingdom Hearts game. But occasionally I want to play it, but I, it's got Kingdom Hearts music and story cutscenes that I'm playing it for, so I don't really want to... I mean, I can put headphones into it, but... Like, it's really awkward to play a heavily story-driven game like that on your... your coffee break? Yep. Yeah. I've also been playing, I think it's called Dungeon Cards. Yes. You've got, generally speaking, a 3x3 three three grid, and your goal is to just survive as long as possible while basically managing the health of whatever weapon you're currently carrying, the health of your character, and trying to figure out how to not box yourself into a corner. It's basically like a tile swap game. Gotcha. It's actually surprisingly fun. I've been mostly playing the Cactus, 
whose special thing is that one, he doesn't take damage from spike traps because he's already so spiky. And two, if he's at like two thirds health or lower, he shoots out cactus needles <laughs> in every direction and damages everyone for one damage. Which doesn't seem like it'd be terribly useful considering some enemies have like 20 or 30 HP. But it turns out that you can just run them in circles around the board for a while. So that's fun. I've also been playing Tinker Island, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend, but man, it has such high production value. It's a game where like you assign workers to a thing and then you basically just wait like it's an idle game. That's what those are called with like a little puzzle solving minigame you can do to kill time in between that gives you bonuses to other stuff. Mostly it's just like the art is really nice. The music's really like all the sound design's great. It's got like random like choose your own adventure puzzle scenarios built into it. So if you're looking for an idle game of any sort that you want to spend like five to ten minutes on per day, it's highly recommended from one person who is me. Since you like deck building games so much, it might be worth your time to get into the Ruby one a little bit. It's yeah. got a decent AI. It's... I'm like almost opposed to it because it's Ruby. That's fair. And also I heard horrible things about it launch week. But... Yeah, but it's got a lot of technical problems. Didn't that, they iron like, those out though? Most of them. I did tell my story about how I tried to play the tutorial, lost my internet connection, was thrust out of the tutorial and forced to play a normal game. Yeah, but that's on the, that was on the PC. It was. I might be better on phone. I don't play it on phone. But because it forces you to play a different character each time, that forces you to change your strategy every time. Although, aren't there only two characters? There's six. Oh. Six or eight. I don't know why I thought there were only two. They give uh, you a selection of two. Yeah. Yeah, they let you pick from two every time. Well, I do really like me a deck builder, so I might have to pick it up eventually. I wasted too much time on that one, so. (laughs) My problem is, like, I really want, like, a story-focused game of some sort on my phone. And there's, like, that one Final Fantasy made specifically for your phone that's, like, Brave Exia or something. I don't know. I guess I want a meteor game on my phone, and I'm not sure where to get that. Fate Go has a storyline, but I would more call that a, uh, that's more gotcha game than it is actual, like, it does have a storyline. It is very story-focused, but there's a lot of the same kind of grindy stuff that you have to do in order to level up characters and that. Yeah, I would like just, like, a game with a beginning, middle, and end for my phone. And those don't really seem to exist. I think you can get Final Fantasy Tactics on your phone. That may be worth it. And I haven't played Tactics, so... It's so good. Most of the ones designed for the phone are designed around the idea of just making people microtransact the hell out of stuff. Or even if they're... Like, I've played games that work similarly, even if they don't have microtransactions. Like, you only want to play them for 10 to 30 minutes at a time. And that's all you really want to play a day. I say as someone who spent multiple hours a day playing Dokkan Battle at some point. But... Yep, we've all been there. Anything else, Tyler? No, I think I've exhausted my rambling list of things I've been up to. What have you been up to, Jeremy? So speaking of things we said we'd never do, uh, someone might be really depressed right now and working a lot of overtime and hang out with Kevin a lot, and maybe they spent $300 on Space Marines this week. (laughs) There's no cheap way to buy Space Marines, Zach. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just surprised it's not me. Yeah, it does seem more likely that you would do it than me. So you like 40k I, and I do not. Yeah, I like 40k, but I also don't really like modeling. I think it, that's the thing is I do like modeling. And uh, I was going to paint my Batman figures and I my airbrush kind of messed up when I was priming the first one. And I actually when I was trying to fix it, I dumped a whole bunch of primer on one of them. Ugh. So I have to strip that off, which meant I had to spend like three days in degreaser. So it could be brushed off. So I had three days where I couldn't really progress. And that was a big contributor to that. Gross. So what all do you have? I have two tax squads because I bought the getting started box and a tax squad, a dreadnought, two commanders, a devastator squad, and a primaris squad and a scout squad. I wonder if those are elites. Probably primaris. Yeah, other troops. Oh, there. Yeah, there's three troop options for space marines: are tactical, primaris, and uh, scout. scouts. So you don't have any elites. Tr- no, the. Is the Dreadnought a heavy choice or an elite's I choice? Think I think it's, it's a heavy, elite. but I don't remember. I think it used to be an elite's choice. I don't remember. It's been so long since I even bothered to look at a codex for any of that. Yeah, well, $100 of that was codexes. Well, a codex and a rulebook. You just have the baseline Space Marine codex? Yeah. Honestly, if I were to do something like that, I'd probably just buy a bunch of stuff like the... Uh, Imperial Guard or something like that and have Kevin paint them as Valhallans for me. The thing about Imperial Guard is they're even more expensive than Space Marines. Like, I was generally debating between Space Marines and Orcs, and I'm like, well, I only want one mortgage on my house, so Space Marines it is. <laughs> well, because the Space Marines being, you know, they're smaller model counts, yes. so you don't have to pay for quite as many, whereas, like, 
at least it used to be the like the Tyranids, the Imperial Guard, the Orcs were like push broom armies. I guess that's changed, but since I think I don't it's changed really... with Tyranid, but not so much Orcs or Imperial Guard. Imperial Guard especially, people were like, invest in movement trays and learn to love them, or otherwise your opponent will yell at you for taking so long to take your turn. <laughs> Maybe that's a strategy in itself, though, is you frustrate your opponent out of the game. I played clicky tech with a guy who would literally think through exact every single move like for 20 minutes. I hate, hate playing board games with people who take, one, forever on their turn, and then two, don't spend any time when it's not their turn thinking about their turn. That's how I feel at D&D. I don't really play <laughs> D&D with anyone like that anymore. I get, like, have you ever played D&D with someone who spends, like, 20 minutes deliberating what they're going to do? Uh, yeah, but not as often. Cody would always take a long time. I feel like social pressure just causes you to make snap decisions, if nothing else. I just else, always so. plan backup plans. If yeah. I'm playing yeah, competitive I just games, plans, so. it's like I've got a plan, a backup plan, and then a backup plan. And then I'll, sometimes I do have to think about it when all three plans get blocked by something. Well, Especially since I DM so much, I find I've, I'm not bored during so much of a D&D combat, but there's so much time where I'm like, I don't have to do anything forever that I have to think about what I'm going to do. And sometimes it's obvious, like, I'm going to jump off this roof with my sword into that spider. <laughs> I think it was a scorpion, not a spider. I think I agree it was a scorpion. But I actually, and maybe this is why I don't like D&D so much anymore, is I just really find combat in it a lot of Takes so long. Yeah, and like yeah. I'd rather progress the plot or something in the middle of a game. Um, so both as a player and a GM, I'm not into super combat-heavy games. Unfortunately, our last couple of weeks on our Monday game, we've all been distracted because we haven't seen each other in a while. So we've gotten like... I think the last two weeks we've progressed, like, of a three, four hour session, we got, like, a half hour of actual gaming done. The rest of it was talking. Yeah, so I'm okay with that if everyone's participating. Like, if that's what everyone wants to do, that's cool. That is but... definitely a lot to blame for me investing in Space Marines, as they just spent about an hour talking about 40k, which I did not give a crap about. But then I googled Space Marines, and suddenly I had a bunch of price points, and I'm like, you know, if I got all this, that would be less than I'm making in overtime this week. <laughs> that is affordable. The other thing I've been playing is Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Which, which is, one is this? This is the one that takes place 10 years ago. That's a prequel about the Keyblade Masters, who are basically oh, okay. Jedi Knights. Is this the one that was like basically teased at the end of Kingdom yes. Hearts 2? Yes, the climax of this game is the post-game of Kingdom Hearts 2, that movie. Okay. So it's building up to that, which is kind of weird since you kind of know how it ends. But that's even more true because it has three main characters and you play each of their stories. You can start them all at the same time if you want, but it's, I think, pretty clearly intended that you play through one and then, and then play another. through the others. You can have separate save files on them. And once you clear them, you save a separate save file to unlock the like after all three of them story. So if you wanted to do all three of them at the same time, feasibly you could. The combat system's pretty interesting. It's because you have the three characters to choose from. The tutorial is, I think, kind of too brief because they don't want to force you to go through like a slow tutorial on each character like every single time. Yeah, I can see that because you, if you, especially if you have different gameplay mechanics on different characters, it's stacking tutorials on top of stuff can get annoying. They don't really have any major differences in mechanics. They have some minor ones, like all three of them have different styles of block. One of them has a 360 degree block, for example, which is super nice. And one has a very narrow, just everything immediately in front of me is blocked. So and when you say block, is it like a grid based combat? No, it's or? like a, it's like Kingdom Hearts combat. Oh. So the content system is it works kind of like, a, I guess, like a hack and slash game, like a Kingdom Hearts game. You press X to attack, except those attacks are super, super weak, even by like Kingdom Hearts standards. And you also have what's called a command deck, which is basically just you equip abilities on it. Uh, you start with the ability to equip three things there, and by the end of the game, you get nine. They all have MMO-style cooldowns on them, and you okay. rotate through them, which is why they call it a deck, but it's not really card-like at all. So it's more just a stack that you rotate? It's more of an action bar. Yeah, but you well, have to rotate it because it's a console game and not a PC game, so you can't just select one the one kind of funky thing is items also go on there which is not mm. too bad because it means you don't have to fumble through a menu to get the items what it mostly just means is i don't really use items ever especially once i get cure it's also got a mana bar just for a like kind of first person mode ability you get where you lock on by like looking at enemies and you have a max number of lock-ons based on whatever ability you have equipped there which is useful because when you're firing it off most of them you're invincible but it does have that mana bar so you can't abuse it the more interesting thing is you, instead of having a combo ending finisher, like most Dynasty Warriors-esque games, you have a meter that builds up as you attack. 
Uh, and if you just attack, once the meter is full, you get a finisher. But if you use those abilities, based on the abilities you use, you go into a stance after that. Okay. Where your attacks are much more powerful. That sounds interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it is. And then once you get about halfway through the game, you unlock level two stances by using different abilities once you're in a stance. So it encourages yeah, you to use yeah. multiple different skills and not just button mash at things. Yeah. That's actually pretty neat. I like that. The even cooler thing is your commands level up as you use them. And then once you max them out, you can merge commands to get new commands, which is the main way you do that. Okay. A little bit like a Materia mastering in yes. Final Fantasy VII. Kind of like that. The other cool thing about that is there's a mini game you can play to just level up your commands without having to grind. It's kind of this board game thing. I'm like, okay, so this is kind of a Mario Party thing. Uh, and you get your commands, but it's got Monopoly style properties. And you buy them by spending the in-game in the mini game gold and placing a command on them. And that command levels up based on how people land on it. And then there are <laughs> these four squares you have to go around and you receive money on each of them. And then when you get to the center and you then you realize oh my god this is fortune street they just put fortune street in this game and it levels up my abilities <laughs> uh, i was gonna say you're describing that like you started two sentences in before you even got to the monopoly elements i'm like man i really want to play fortune street I, right now <laughs> i had the same thought I was like i you know you know game was pretty good fortune street that would be fun <laughs> i really wish it had online multiplayer that would be so nice anyway so i'm really enjoying it the story's a bit funky just because all three characters stories are paced exactly the same where you go to three worlds and then there's a story beat but it's also a story beat where all three characters meet up so it actually is pretty interesting seeing it from the different angles but you know what's going to happen and then there are four more worlds before two major story beats and then the character's story is over but it's the same for all of them or at no, least no, the like pacing the, is the same for all of them Yeah, the pacing is the same so it makes the like disney worlds feel like a bit more of a slog in the other ones because you know you're not going to get your kind of reward for that until the very end the final fantasies feels especially tacked on here because the only final fantasy things are you buy um the shops are moogles like they always have been in kingdom hearts and then when you get to olympus coliseum because it's a 10 year earlier flashback instead of cloud zack is there which is kind of cute, but I'm like, oh, huh. yeah, there are Final Fantasy characters in this game. <laughs> the story's pretty good, though. Liam Neeson voices the final boss because I guess they just wanted to make sure all the voice actors were dead by the time Kingdom Hearts 3 came out. Uh, and he's very good at it. It's very Star Wars prequely, the story, but in like a kind of better way. Liam Neeson's not dead, is he? Yes. So unfortunately, he died a year ago now. Oh, I'm sorry. I said Liam Neeson. I meant Leonard Nimoy. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> That's why I was confused. I'm like, Liam Neeson's think, pretty young. I, say, I think Leonard Nimoy has been dead for like three years now. He's, he's yeah. out of it. Liam but... Neeson's career is dead. He's fine. <laughs> he said some really racist things recently. Did he? Yes, unfortunately. A lot of people were saying, take him out of Men in Black, which did not happen. But I did not hear about that. Yeah, it was unfortunate. So I'm really enjoying it. In particular, the level up system is really fun. And even if I'm not really feeling like playing a video game, I can just play Fortune Street and level up my commands. And that's a that's a mechanic more RPGs need. I agree. Well, I think most RPGs need some kind of uh, side quest just built into the or not side quest, but like side <laughs> activity. Yeah, like Blitzball, and like that is very much like that. Give you can you just something go out into of it. it from your pause menu. But like, because like Kotor did it pretty poorly, because like the Pezak and the speeder bikes are really not that interesting. Yeah. But like Tyler tried to be subtle. Blitzball is actually pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, it's not as good as I remember it being, but it's actually still a pretty decent. It's time nowhere killer. near as good as I remember it being. But I wonder when when did they start adding like random side seven has a lot of that, right? It's just <laughs> I'm thinking Knights of the Old Republic had Kazak or Kazak. Yeah, Kazak? He, I literally just said it. Yes, he did. Oh, I'm sorry, I got distracted reading about Liam Neeson. Oh yeah, but seven I feel like had a bunch of that, and that might have been where it started because six doesn't really have. Yeah, six doesn't really have. It has a lot of like optional that. stuff, but it's no mini optional games. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's more of the same game mechanic basically. I think um, it might be once discs became the game medium, you could fit smaller games on it, and also games became bigger, so you could play with a small idea and throw it on there without having it be a core part of the game. And I think a lot of them actually do have them at least now. I don't remember when they started because, like, I know The Witcher has that Gwent game. Yeah, and Final Fantasy XV has that rad pinball game. You know, I did actually I know play a like lot it. of it. <laughs> um, but well, I liked it a lot. I liked it, but I played it once and was like, you know, that's as much as I need to play of that. Like, I don't know. I played it long enough that I got bored of playing it, I think is the problem. I kind of got into IRL pinball, so. I love IRL pinball, so. Yeah, I am staring at 
your pinball machine that's kind of yours. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really want it to be mine. I would choose a much classier machine, but that's the one I've fixed five times, so. I want the Dark Knight pinball machine so bad, and I just realized I can definitely afford it, and that's uh, that's a bad thing for me to have just realized. I Aren't pinball machines like $5,000 yes. or something? Yeah, but like the last time I wanted a pinball machine, like I had that thought, that was not a It was not anywhere purchase. near the realm of possibility, and now it is. Yeah. I, mean, I don't get into pinball, and I don't want a pinball machine. I don't know. I like a lot, like the really complicated tables where you have to like line up five different shots in a row. Yeah, that's how the Dark Knight one is. There's yeah. like a scarecrow mechanic. There's like a Joker bonus ball mode. Yeah, I think where I... you have to do six things to activate Wizard mode. That's where it's at. Yep, I think I've mentioned it before. We have an Adam's Family table at the office, and it's really good. It's got like some magnet stuff on it, and like I don't know, it's a crazy table. I love it. Anywho, <laughs> I, that's basically all I have to say about Birth by Sleep. I am enjoying it. I feel like it was maybe a little oversold to me. Because a lot of people are like, oh, it might be the best Kingdom Hearts game. And it's not nearly as good as 2, but it's definitely good. And the mechanics in it are really interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like there's a lot of good ideas there that I'm sad that they didn't elaborate on a bit. So how many more do you have till you hit 3? Okay, so after I'm done with this, I, next is Recoded, which is like the one I am dreading. most dreading. <laughs> is uh, that the phone one? It started out as a Japanese phone game before phone games were a thing outside of Japan. Uh, so then because Kingdom Hearts is popular outside of Japan, they ported it to DS using a bunch of mechanics from 358 over two days, which is mechanically the weakest game by far. But it's got a pretty good story to keep you going through it, whereas Recoded, it's a story is kind of a joke among Kingdom Hearts fans. So so why not just skip it? Because it might be important. And also, I'm this far deep in the paint. I'm not going to tap out now. No, this although, is a lifelong project. Although it is one of the ones that has just a cutscene movie version on the story so far. So it's the one I'm most likely to tap out of and just watch the movie. But I already bought it, so I might as well at least give it a try. Then the phone one, then Dream Drop Distance, then 2.8, which I've been told is pretty short, and then 3. What's 2.8? It's the one on PS4 that came out like a year and a half ago, maybe. It came out when they announced Kingdom Hearts 3. Is it just like a remastered 2? No, it's got... Uh, the title is because it's got kind of two stories, one of which takes place after Birth by Sleep and one of which people call it. It's basically DLC for Dream Drop Distance, only more elaborate. Huh. So what, four left? Yeah, four left and then three. So technically I'm halfway through them. <laughs> Although Recoded should be pretty short. I imagine the phone one will be pretty short. And 2.8, the biggest criticism of it is it's short for a $60 game. Well, it makes sense. And may or may not actually be a $60 game at this point. Well, it's history, not anymore. So. And to be fair, it... When you buy it for $60, it comes with the remaster of Dream Drop Distance, which I wanted because I'm going to play that. So having not had Dream Drop Distance, definitely worth it for me, I feel like. That's pretty much all I've been playing, though. So, so speaking of hack and slash games. Oh, yeah. Uh, we played Devil May Cry 2 this week. And we were talking last week about how maybe this was a game that didn't deserve its reputation. And uh, while Tyler is going to go to bat for it, the tribe has spoken. He's outvoted. <laughs> this game is garbage. Uh, it's... <laughs> It's not I don't. I garbage. wouldn't call it garbage. Like we've definitely played worse, but this definitely is a game that is very poor in comparison to its stablemates. Like on the spectrum, it's a banana that I'm not quite sure if I should just toss it out or if I should eat it. Like it's brown, but it might be all right if I peel it. Now this isn't a banana. Banana is my favorite fruit. This is no sort of <laughs> banana. Okay, wait. No, I'm sorry. Also, Tyler, usually if you're in that situation where like this could be good, you you don't eat it really. You make banana bread no i mean yes i realized that as i was saying it but also i'm very lazy and don't make banana bread so i don't cook and therefore you don't make banana bread let's go back a second to the much more important fact that got surface here bananas are your favorite fruit yeah i like a plum pretty well if someone else is cutting it up for me a kiwi might be better but that is rarely the case strawberries are pretty good too I was until you got to strawberries. I don't think any of those were anywhere like even on my top twenty fruit list. You know that dumb video about how the banana is the atheist nightmare, right? Yes, that's the dumbest video, but it does have a convenient little tab for me to open a <laughs> banana, and that is a feature, not a bug. Zach is not familiar with this video. Zach, a banana is the atheist's worst nightmare. It was clearly intended for human consumption. It fits right in your hand. It's got a nice little tab, you know, like soda, like people had to design just to snap it open. It's the atheist's worst nightmare, Zach. It's, it's got a clear way to okay. eat it. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's a common argument for intelligent so, design. First <laughs> off, I have a major question that yes. I have to ask. What is a fruit? Technically, it is any edible seed-bearing product of a plant formed from a flower. 
So it's, wait, food. It, you didn't say animal anywhere in there. Imagine if an animal could not move. Zach, you know how Pop-Tarts have flavors? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fruits. <laughs> I didn't know peanut butter or chocolate was a fruit. Yep. Yep, now you do. G.I. Joe. I, I, huh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Broncos, by the way, are a fruit. <laughs> Okay, quick tangent. I swear I'm not, I'm not trying to delay talking about Devil May Cry, but I was talking about how I've been playing some time waster games. The the idle game, you can speed some things up by like watching 30 second videos. So I'll just like click the play button and then like go do something else for 30 seconds and come back and exit the video. One of them that I kept wanting to advertise to me is this like toilet paper and paper towel brand made from sugar cane. I'm going to let you finish your tangent. Okay. Where I work, we now have a Charmin commercial that plays every 30 minutes. Uh, it has a song that says, My Heine's so sharp and shiny. My Heine's so sharp and shiny. And now plays twice in a row, every 30 minutes. So t- every 30 minutes, I get to hear about this shiny Heine. <laughs> and a lot of the workers are so annoyed with it, they've just Jesus. embraced it and will sing it at the top of their lungs every time it comes on. Okay, I kind of want to be there while this is going on. That's so terrible. Ooh. Who you, thought that was a good idea? Charmin, apparently. You know what's good? is peanut butter and chocolate Pop-Tarts. That actually sounds fantastic. You know what's good and will make you this fat immediately? You take a Pop-Tart, you lightly toast it, then you get out some peanut butter and spread it, and then you put the two Pop-Tarts together and have a Pop-Tart peanut butter sandwich. You know, I've tried Pop-Tart sandwiches before, and that's actually too much Pop-Tart for you me. You know what so. I want to come back? Is the KFC Double Down. It's a trap. I loved those. Those So were speaking great. of the KFC Double Down, Devil May Cry 2. Were we going to get back to Tyler's tangent? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the, at the end of this stupid toilet paper related tangent, it's like, you should use butt wipe that is better for the environment because it's sugar cane and it's not destroying trees. I'm like, guys, we've had tree farms since like the 80s. We figured this out. Like, we're not really harming the environment to make toilet paper anymore. It's fine. Uh, I don't know. I just like every time, like I'm an environmentalist. Every time this thing comes up, I'm like, you guys are stupid. <laughs> I think they're trying to take advantage of other stupid people rather than being stupid themselves. I think that is 100% the case, but I can't do anything about that. Anyway, Devil May Cry. No more talking about toilet paper. Uh, so this game starts in a museum? Question mark? It belongs in one. <laughs> there's a thing and an explosion and there's Dante and a girl. You wouldn't know it's Dante because his mouth has been sewed shut like Deadpool in that Wolverine movie. And he's not allowed to talk or have a personality. I mean, he looks despite like being played by Ryan Reynolds. He looks like Dante, kind of. His Like, he's got a different jacket. Well, or not a different, like, trench coat, but he's got a different, like, he, it looks like he's wearing body armor. Which all is the clothes like, yeah. in this game are based on the real clothing from a company. I looked it up. I can't remember what it was. But they had a partnership with Capcom. That's that really explains, dumb. I can't remember her name. But one of her. No own. one can remember her name. There's also Girl. At, when you boot up this game, if, if you're playing this on an ancient PlayStation 2, you have two discs. The Dante disc and the Girl disc. As a girl's alternate outfit is basically just, like, casual, like, shopping clothing. It's, like, a stripy shirt with, like, some slacks. The problem with Girl is she has just as much personality as Dante in this game. But if you're playing Dante, you can pretend you're playing Dante from the previous game. I guess if you could pretend you're playing Trish in this game if you play Girl. But also Trish unlocks after you beat the game, so... Like... That, that is, like, I think one of the main things that sticks out to you immediately is, like, in the first game, when this whole thing goes down, Dante'd show up and make a bunch of wisecracks at the bad guys as he's going to town here. Like Jeremy said, he shows up and is basically silent throughout the entire thing, and it's like, are you the same guy? Are you, like, do you, like, have a migraine or something? Is that why you're being quiet? So my theory is that he's actually just mopey about Trisha Tyne in the last game. But she got better. It doesn't matter. He's so mopey about it. And she and he's also, working she with her him. at the end of the last game. Yeah, now they're just business partners. They're no longer dating tenuously, which I'm not sure they ever were in the first place. They definitely aren't by five. Like the ending <laughs> of five is Lady and Trish being like, Dante's dead, so we get his house, right? That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And character created for five is like, hey, Dante gave me the deed to this place, so no crazy women would take his house. So <laughs> I don't think that was character created for five. I think that was character created for the anime. Okay, I haven't seen the anime. So I, I think because I know girl on the phone. The girl the on phone was, is is from that. That describes all the girls in this game. But yes, I know which one you're talking about. Anyway, well, Devil May Cry two, not five. <laughs> 
Five is much better. Yes, it is. Um, like so, that's one of the things that immediately jumps out at you is that Dante has apparently had his personality sandblasted off. Once was, you get to the gameplay, the other thing that really jumps out at you is how much easier this game is than the previous one. All of the enemies just feel like these little paper dolls to have a sword stuffed yeah, in them they, and be shredded in half. It's very much a uh, thing where it feels like Dynasty Warriors on a much lower scale. Although I off the mics, I likened it closer to like Streets of Rage or Final Fight. Yeah, no, where, it feels like a brawler, right? Yeah, it, it feels a lot like a brawler where enemies just kind of pop up like ducks at a shooting range and they pop up, you immediately knock them back down. Hell, the guns are even effective against the bad guys in this game. <laughs> As opposed to that's annoying, how crappy they are. Annoying things to keep your combo meter going. <laughs> I, I like how girl just throws knives too. Just like <laughs> when you <laughs> do, yeah, instead of having guns. Yep. I never played her. I should have, but I didn't. You also start with your devil trigger immediately, which is not a problem, but you don't need it. Also, what you don't need, most of the cool combo moves from Devil May Cry 1. But don't worry, they're not here, so you can't <laughs> use them anyway. There are ways to do combos, but it's changed. It's in- mostly just like hit triangle or hit Y in the 360 version three times, four times, and you're good. No, th- Well, yeah, I was going to say mostly just button mash, even more than he did in previous Devil's May Cry. And the combos but- that are there are not tutorialized at all. The tutorialization in this game is awful. Like, if you're playing the girl, her first mission is to collect 85 orbs to open a door, but it doesn't tell you that. So you're just staring at this door, trying to figure out how to get through, walking through the awkward terrain. And the camera angles in this game, they work similarly to the first Devil May Cry, where it's Resident Evil style, the camera will just change angles. But it's a lot worse in this game, because you're in a lot of open areas. Those fixed camera angles work a little better when you're in an enclosed mansion and they... Because there's only one logical way to point it usually. And you're also, like Jeremy said, because you're in a much more contained area. You're not worrying about, like, you're on the far side of the camera angle so you can barely see what you're doing. And you don't want to look around to see which way you're going because it's, like, to a hallway or another hallway that are pretty obvious. And the camera angles in this time are often just kind of ugly. Like, you start just on a bunch of buildings and I just got the feeling that this was, like, an unfinished N64 game. Not unfinished, but poorly designed. Like some lack of polish as a lot of... The thing that struck me is I thought this game might have been chasing an industry trend, especially with the sandblasting of the character's personality. But Jeremy looked up what games came out around this on our way down here, and mainly because I forgot to look it up. And it doesn't seem like there's anything around this time frame which would back that statement. That was brown and gunmetal. Uh, well, I mean, we're, it's it predates that Call of Duty comes out the same year as Call of Duty One comes out the same year as Devil May Cry Two. So Devil May Cry Two started the trend. Not really. Like the first game's pretty dark too, but again, it's going for that Resident Evil aesthetic, and it, like Dante's red, so he pops from all of it, and, and his personality. Like it's weird that his like, personality he's fun of the thing almost. Like that does a lot to like lighten the mood, even and also the big monsters like the lava spider. That's a lot of, like, I mean, it's red, but it's still a lot more color than just gray-brown, where the first enemy in this is just a brown monkey thing. Yeah, I'm like, what are the enemies supposed to be? Yeah, there aren't really any good, like... You have those Grim Reaper-looking guys in the first one, and the spider, like Zach was talking about. There's something like a goat head thing in this one. Yeah, there's one that's, like, weird rust metal skin guy. He's not super interesting. There's, like, this (laughs) skeleton in, like, cage armor... When they showed that, when you first encountered it, it was like, huh, well, that's interesting. And then it was just like, all right, it's just a generic enemy. They've also changed the lock-on system, so you can't really lock, like, you auto-lock onto things, and that's just a lot less satisfying, in my opinion. It's also a lot more annoying. I don't like it when any game does, like, an automatic lock-on to things because of the fact that sometimes I want to be able to free look, and, you know, it's like, we're going to lock you onto this. It's like, yes, I, I understand locking onto that guy in the background over there, might be useful, but I got a bigger problem and dude right next to me I want to attack first. And going back to the industry trends thing, I do feel like this is the time where video games were getting easier to the point where people now complain that they're easy and you get Dark Souls as a reaction. Devil May Cry 3 definitely corrected on that trend, at least for this yep. game. But a lot of games were just getting easier and easier and going for a more casual audience. I was going to say, do we want to talk about what the story of this game is at all? Please because, tell man, me. What is Man. it? Um, so 200 I years ago, something really bad happened. Really bad. And now you have to do something about it. Um, as there- far as I can tell, it's mostly Dante on a quest for, huh, I wonder what my dad was like. Y- you go to place and also girls at place. And then there's Guy. I forget Guy's name. He starts out excellently voice acted and gets increasingly worse to the point where eventually he makes a noise, which I'm going to attempt to imitate, is approximately... 
<laughs> on microphone someone recorded that and said yep that's good enough um i should point out there's like in oblivion if you know where to go there was somebody who had a second take like in the game yep was that oblivion it was oblivion where it was the, skyrim it, it was one of the speech trainers that's hilarious um, where they're like hey let me do that one again yeah i thought that was skyrim it, nope it was oblivion and it was one of the speech trainers excellent Anywho, girl is sent to maybe go kill dante and then they're like nah let's not do that it turns out that she's a clone specifically made to reject her humanity or something i don't know <laughs> meanwhile what meanwhile glorg guy is attempting to co- collect the five MacGuffins to do the thing but dante tricks him by giving him his two-headed coin and the guy somehow didn't realize that wasn't a magical artifact and then fails to become god and then girl has a mental breakdown and dante's like nah it's cool devils never cry and then she gets better and then finds out that Glarg isn't actually dead and then kills him. And then they both fight the incarnation of like disenfranchisement or something, <laughs> um, which is a giant flaming alien space worm from nowhere. Um, it's not actually a space worm. It's a like dude made of fire. It's probably the most interesting enemy in the game. Too bad it has no bearing on the rest of the plot. Okay, I think we under- I-, I think I now know <laughs> why this girl was the one that did not show up in Devil May Cry 5. Uh- <laughs> to be fair, neither did Nira's girlfriend. <laughs> yes, but she at least got voice lines. I will point out that as you kill Glarg the first time, he's like complaining about how he was supposed to become a king or something, and Dante's like, well, if you're king, here's your crown, and then shoots him in the head. It's fantastic. Anyway. Well, like... Okay. There are a lot of good one-liners. You guys want to talk about the bosses? Because I don't know if I fought any. I think uh, I probably There was a giant monkey thing, like I said, which later showed up as a basic enemy. They're mostly Glarg. Like, how does fighting them work? You just go near them and hit triangle until yeah, they die? You can also just pull them to death The other one guns. that I did, I did fight like a sea monster thing before I got a, uh, that was right before I got the shotgun. I was like, none of the bosses really stood out. I'm having a hard time remembering anything like, other than Guy and... It's incarnation to disenfranchise. It's not really all that interesting. Cause like I said, the, the second one I fought was like a giant squid thing that when you attacked it, you had to attack like its front tentacle things or one of its tentacles to get through it, to attack the body to actually damage the thing. Thing is it wasn't interesting and it didn't really have like a felt. It didn't feel like it had a tell in which you could get a, you know, dodge out of the way. It felt more like I was just trying to health tank it. Yeah, so overall, I think the enemy design in this game is a lot weaker than the first one. Well, especially after having played so much Monster Hunter World, where, like, I kind of know the tells in that game at this point for a lot of the critters. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I see what this thing is about to do, so I know how to get out of the way. And this one is like, nope, you don't get out of the way because we're not going to tell you when it's going to do its attack, so you just have to take your best guess. So if you're wondering why Tyler just laughed, audience, uh, we had to pause in the middle of this recording because Zach needed to take care of something. And while we did, Tyler just talked about how he thought the tells in Monster Hunter were awful and he could not tell anything <laughs> that was going on. And now I don't agree with him. I agree with Zach. But it was very funny just now. Uh, yeah, I was just, I right. had a much easier time reading the tells in this game than I did in Monster Hunter. Um, Both by Capcom. Yep. Well, I will say 140 hours will make a big difference. That is true. Um Oh, no, we, we can have the Monster Hunter discussion off the mics because we're talking about Devil May Cry. I think it's about time for final thoughts. Unless uh, there's well, anything I, else you want to talk about. Oh. The upgrades in this game, like in other, in other oh, Devil May... Oh, they, they removed the skill upgrades in, in Devil this May, game. In other Devil May Cry games, you would have like a bunch of like combos you can unlock. And here it's like you can unlock sword upgrade or gun upgrade. And I'm not entirely sure what it does. I think it just improves the damage they deal. It doesn't let you do anything else, does it? Yeah, no, they don't change effect or element i will say like one of the interesting things is devil trigger you get to choose between like a bunch of different options when you activate it like you can fly or be speedy or yeah, or like what element and like so that that's kind of neat i kind of wish they kept that this game also has the super devil trigger in it where if you're yep. under 25 percent health which i don't know how you would manage in this game and you devil trigger you become the super dante from devil may cry 5 yeah, i did Mothra die a dante. couple of times yeah, I feel like you could die mostly due to boredom, uh, like not paying enough attention. And then I was going to so they remove the combos. That's also not great. Dante doesn't like if you remember from the first one, he gets those sweet, sweet fire gauntlets, which are the best thing ever because they change up the gameplay. And in this one, you just basically get three different swords for Dante. Girl plays slightly differently, which is nice. I will say, after you beat the game, if you're a fan of this game, there's a lot of unlockable content. There's there's well, a they tra- do that like Resident Evil thing because it is Capcom. Yeah, there's a Trish. 
who at first just plays like Dante until you throw her sword at someone, at which point she just starts martial artsing them to death, which is pretty great. What it probably ended up being here was that because they had the two separate playable characters in Dante and Girl, they tried splitting what would have been a normal like eight hour game or whatever down into halves. And because of that, that's why you lose a lot of the additional content. Yeah, it's weird because there's a lot of post game stuff. So I I was trying to think of any of the other stuff that we might have missed about this game. There's not a whole lot to it. The environments are boring. The characters are boring, which for a Devil May Cry game seems really the gameplay is boring. Like, at least a, a game from this guy, because also Bayonetta's done by the same dude, and it's got just as much character in it. I really don't like Bayonetta, guys. They, it, the game, I mean, you cannot like the game. It still has a lot of character. Yeah, that's true. I actually just really don't like the gameplay of Bayonetta, which is weird, because it's basically just Devil May Cry, and I like Devil May Cry. I don't know what to tell you, man. That's it's, why I'm confused. And I like Bayonetta, too. I just don't like the first one. So <laughs> that is weird because they're basically the same. I game. know. I don't understand what it is. So speaking of not understanding, we have a list on our website, www.lastpodcast.com, listing all the games we've played from best to worst. At the top is Craner Trigger, a game with lots of interesting characters. At the bottom is City Connection, a game with no character. Well, there, there's a character. He drives a car. He doesn't have any character traits except for a car. Anime. He's anime, dude. In the middle is Kirby's Dreamland, which has, so, you know, some cartoon character approximations. It's got a King DDD. It's got a Meta Knight, I think. I don't think Dreamland did. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Adventure. Yeah. I always get those confused. So we'll start off by comparing this to Devil May Cry, which is not nearly as good as. We're all in agreement there. Right. right. Yeah, for sure. The only other really like 3D game I think we've played like this is Kingdom Hearts, and I definitely don't think it's as good as Kingdom Hearts yeah, either. I right? would probably agree. It just removing Dante's character does so just, much base damage to this. He has quite a bit of character in this game. I don't still. feel like don't, he does. I, I don't know. He's trolling with people the entire time with this stupid two-headed coin thing. There is a two-headed coin thing, but it doesn't feel like there's nearly enough of him at the very least. Uh, the next Capcom game we have on here is Resident Evil, and I don't think it's like as good as Resident Evil's innovations as much as that game didn't age super well. Yeah, I was especially having played the Resi Two remake recently. Like, man. That game's uh, a lot of fun. That game's great. Um, but no, I think actually I prefer Resident Evil. I would agree with Tyler. So the next Capcom game, which I'm pretty sure they farmed out to somebody else, is Mega Man 2 for Game Boy. I prefer Devil May Cry. I think I prefer Mega Man 2. We're definitely in the right area. Mega Man 2 for Game Boy? Uh... Yeah, I was to say, that, that one feels cobbled together in a I'd, way that actually I'd rather this play... game also does, but... But I'd rather play Devil May Cry. Okay. So I think a weirdly comparable game is Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. I was actually, when we start, before you even read anything off the list, this is a game that I thought of when I was thinking of this game, and I was trying really hard to decide which one I thought was better. I have a lot more nostalgia for Shadows of the Empire, and that's making me lean towards it. It's, it's got some platforming elements. It's definitely not a good game. Yeah, I'd say it's actively not a great but game. It's some, but it's got some, like, gameplay change-ups. It's got, like, the Hoth level. and The, the jetpack jet and yeah. all that stuff, yeah. yeah. That's true, and it, honestly, it innovated a lot for its time. Like, it's not a great game, but it tried a lot of stuff that other games would go on to use mm. i'm not sure how actively they took from it but it definitely was trying some stuff early on i would probably have to give it to shadows of the empire slightly but i'm very on the fence about that <sighs> i was at least not bored playing shadows of the empire i was <laughs> i mean i don't have to make a decision but i'm trying to anyway Honestly, I think I would probably give it to Shadows of the Empire, probably because Devil May Cry 2 is a follow-up sequel, and I think it's worse than the pre- Like, it is significantly worse than the previous game, and because it, it's stripping out a lot of the things that I thought made the first game a lot more fun. Like the difficulty. Like and the difficulty, and in my opinion, Dante Dante's character. Because I always think Dante talking all the time and making wisecracks and whatnot is a big chunk of his character. So the final question becomes, is this game better or worse than Kirby's Dream Course? Is that the uh -huh. golf? That's the that's golf the Kirby. golf one. It has been so long since I even thought about that game. It's just such a weird comparison. It feels like we played Cybernator so much more recently than Kirby's Dream it Course. It does, I right? forgot we played Kirby's Dream Course, if um, I'm honest. I think I'd probably have to give it to Devil May Cry simply because there's just more game there. Kirby's Dream Course is interesting and like a fun little puzzle game, but at the end of the day, that's like... They're both kind of boring. I think Kirby's Dream Course is less boring, but it looks like Zach was about to agree with you. I think I agree with Tyler. I mean, it is Kirby's Dream Course is a fun little puzzle game, but at the end of the day, I'll take a I'll take an action game over a puzzle game, but that's probably just me. So Devil May Cry 2 goes at number 130, above Kirby's Dream Course and below Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, 60 spots below Devil May Cry. Where's the original Devil May Cry sitting? Number 70. Okay. 
lower than I thought, but honestly, that makes sense. So, this is also not the Devil May Cry game I thought it was when Zach called it last week. I called it. When he Jeremy called it. called it last week, when it was called, I thought this was the one where you had like multiple different stances. That's three. That's yeah. three, apparently. I've never played that. Really? Three was rad as hell. Okay. I've never uh, played that. Dan- one of Dante's like major things in five is taking his stances from three. Yeah, but he can do them on the fly. The D-pad is assigned to the four stances. And nice. You can tap it. it is rad as hell. It's very fun. So what are we going to play next week, Zach? So I mentioned to Jeremy that I think this might end up getting vetoed by you guys. But because I like and I enjoy messing with Jeremy's timelines and trolling everybody. Link's Awakening. No. I know we already did it. So I and I actually started playing this game a little bit over the week. I think we should play Earthbound. I'm okay with playing Earthbound. Yeah, no, that's the cool. The only problem I have with playing... I, I wanted to play Earthbound before Earthbound Zero, actually, because Earthbound Zero is only interesting because of Because Earthbound. of Earthbound. The only reason I would consider vetoing Earthbound is I have a ton of overtime, and I want to actually play that, but I think I can make time. So yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. It's also a surprisingly short game for a JRPG. So next time on Last Time, hide from the Beatles. Lawsuits are scary. Last Podcast Production, copyright 2019.